Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Thin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Reel Down. Uh, if you're checking us out on YouTube, you know, hit that like and share button, give us some follows. We love y'all. We appreciate everybody being here. Uh, for everybody listening that can't see already, got my man Drew back for an episode. He's been, uh, busy being an adult and got a new baby and, you know, responsibilities have to be taken care of. I completely understand, but how you been, man? Been good. Been good. Can't complain. You know, baby is sleeping pretty well, all things considered for a, a newborn. And, you know, we, we still have to do the typical three hours wake up feeder and all that good stuff. And, but it's not bad. She's, you know, could be so much. I remember my son was much worse. Maybe it was because it was our first and we just didn't understand or know that was coming, but man, it just mad respect, obviously uh, for all the, the fathers and mothers out there listening, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a rough, you know, first couple months here and we're almost through it, man. I'm excited to talk fishing and Heck yeah. really excited to eventually get back out of the water myself. I'm going to start my season a little bit later this year, probably at that BASS championship in early March. But, uh, you know, I just want to stay home a little bit lo- as long as possible with the newborn and, and help support the, the family. So yeah, all's good, yeah. man. Well, man, I'm glad you got to hop on for a little bit. Uh, you were about the only person that popped in my head that I wanted to do this one over with, uh, just because you can be so detailed. So, uh, today's show was, we were going to focus on, uh, like tournament season prep, uh, you know, not just hitting it for the new people like gear, stuff like that, which that's part of it. But, you know, for people that take this somewhat seriously all the way up to people that, you know, maybe you're just on the, the brink of 
you know, being one of the names everybody hears, or this is the first year that they've decided to take it, you know, very seriously, you know, try to, you know, earn a secondary or primary income doing it. Uh, so I wanted to have you on to talk about that. You've been doing that, you know, I mean, this is your, this is your living right now. I mean, you, you have, you know, your hands in multiple little ventures, but it is all basically around kayak tournament fishing one way or another. So, uh, you know, wherever you would like to start, because I mean, basically it starts with the decision, you know, there are pros and cons to it. Is that, you know, are you willing to make sacrifices of being at home or maybe you're single and that's not a factor. So, uh, nothing's really keeping you there, but, uh, that, that would probably be the first thing is just making that decision, you know, like what went through your head when you decided that this is like primarily what you've wanted your focus to be on as far as, you right. Know, like period. This is, you know, this is what I do or we starve. Like it's not that extreme, but that's the way you kind of, that's how I treat myself when I went into business sure. for myself. It was like, we're going to sure. make it or we're not, you know, you know, it kind of, I mean, it's not to that extreme, but in some ways it's, it's pretty similar to that because, um, you know, this, this kayak I've been developing with Crescent has taken longer to come out, you know, and, you know, part of my income really does come from us having a kayak that I've helped them develop and getting it on the market and sold to all you guys out there listening who I'm sure are going to love it. And it's not too much longer. So hang in there. Um, but, and I've been fishing out of a prototype. It's awesome. I'm excited about it. And, uh, but in, it's funny because in the meantime, tournaments and what I do in the money I get from the sponsors to kind of be in this industry, right. In this space have sort of been what I've lived off of. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I really have supported, you know, we have, we've obviously had savings and, and other stuff, but you know, winning, I think last year in the 20 something thousand dollar range combined with the money that, that was, that I bring in from sponsors as well, kind of just kept us afloat as a family to, with savings as well, you know? So moving up to Ohio and all that, it's been, it has been sort of like that. So I've got a taste of, you know, what it would be like to just have to rely on this. And then, um, but one of the things that definitely goes through your head is, you, you know, you've got to be very detailed about your scheduling and very strategic because I'll give you an example um, in golf, there's a, you know, there's a, they've done studies and if golfers, you know, there's a tournament in golf every weekend, right? Pretty much like 50 something weekends, weekends of the year. Right. And you could, if you're on the PGA tour and you have priority, you could just enter every tournament if you want. Mm-hmm. And some of the younger single guys do that. And they've done studies, even with the older guys for everybody. Once if an angler or not a golfer enters a, once I think it's his third weekend in a row, his performance goes down and then it gets, gets a worse, the fourth and the fifth. So you can see the point is you do decline on your performance in, in a sport. That's an individual sport like this, where you're traveling, just like we have to travel. They have to travel golfers do across the country, super strategic in the scheduling, because you need to have the gaps in between you need to pick. Uh, and we're fortunate to have three, four, I should say four, the all American series. And even, even more than that, really, you got the, isn't there still the elite series or whatever it's called in the Northeast. I think. Yes. And so there's that, which is a bigger pay, you know, entry fee payout. There's the all American, there's KBF, there's Hobie, there's bass. You've got enough choices between all of them to get into tournaments where you're going to have a hundred people buying in for, you know, 150, $200, whatever, $250 to get a payout that is significant. Right. So you don't have to just go fish every single one. If you are young and single and can, while there may be some advantages you have in doing that, there's also advantages to being strategic on which ones suit your style 
uh, obviously location and not wasting money. Cause if you're making money, if you're wasting it, driving back and forth across the country, then it's all about what you're profiting. Right. So you got to consider that when you're getting into this, uh, same thing goes with taking time off in between events, even though, you know, you could probably go and win whatever place cash a check and win a thousand bucks or, or 2000, how much more money could you potentially be bringing in? Again, it's all about profit. Um, if you were to spend that time getting some photos edited or getting some uh, videos edited, getting some more shows out to build that side of your brand, social media, which eventually leads you to the sponsorships from the manufacturers. Because I think anyone who's a kind of a PKA or an aspiring professional kayak angler, most of you should probably know you're never going to make a living on the tournament checks. Your living will kind of, your base salary, if you will, will always come from sponsorship dollars. Now, I'm telling you right now, we don't have a high base salaries in kayak fishing, okay? You're listening to that, this, you're thinking, well, geez, man, I'm, I'm lucky to get free stuff from a few of my sponsors and a discount from others. It's coming, and there are, are many out there who are getting cash in the kayak space, and it, you know, I don't know if it, for some people, it might add up to, you know, covering just their entry fees maybe it's just a few thousand dollars other people which may is be... a huge deal huge i mean for us right now that like if you look uh there's a another great podcast that i listen to uh has nothing to do with fishing most of the time called the meat eater podcast steve and all of those guys out west they just recently had brandon polinick and jacob uh carl mm-hmm. jacobson on and that got brought up you know uh just like a small step back you know we're talking about it's coming you know, there's a lot of what we as kayak anglers want out of this that the bass fish boat fishing world is still struggling to get. You know, True. they they do have, you know, way more sponsor dollars than we do and have way bigger turnouts. But I mean, you're talking five thousand yeah, yeah. dollars of derby and entry fees. Um, getting that covered by an angler or by a sponsor is Whew. incredible. And that's the same thing here. It correlates down. You know, you look at these tournaments, two hundred and fifty dollars right now for most of these tournaments, and if you fish you know, 10 of a year, it adds up for, you know, regular Joe. Um, like, like like if you go in and pick a series like Hobie and you want to hit all of them, or Bass, because uh, I think with Bass, if you fish all of their registered events, you automatically qualify for the Classic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you weren't confident enough, you know, in your ability to win one of those or qualify, you know, maybe you're looking mid-season like, okay, I probably got to fish the rest of these events to guarantee I get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it all... It, it, the entry fees alone outside of the traveling is, is a huge one, but uh, huge, huge. So huge. If, you, if, if you can get your entry fees covered and your lodging covered, I know a lot of folks camp, uh, there's still costs in, you know, associated with the camping, but let's say you Airbnb or hotel it. Uh, if you can get all of that covered, that is, that's huge right now. That, that amount of cash just to cover that. But you know, there's definitely people out there probably getting paid, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 or 40, $50,000. I would think that's the upper, upper echelon probably, but um, there are definitely those kind of deals out there and, and they're, and they're coming, even though the majority are probably, you know, $5,000 in cash or less of anyone who's getting paid, you know, cash, but that covers that. So it's all about profit. So now you're not going to fish too many tournaments in a row or too many. They're spread across the country, wasting gas and travel money. You're going to focus on building your brand so you can have a, a, what's called a media kit to sell at the end of the year to these sponsors you're probably going to work on right now talking to maybe, you know, obviously you probably have a sponsor. If, if you're listening to this, we're talking about people who are, you know, kind of more aspiring to be pro kayak anglers. If you do, 
they're probably going to, to ICAST. Talk to them now about getting yourself a pass to get into ICAST. ICAST is not a place where anything's going to get done in terms of deals, but you're going to at least be able to quickly meet a marketing director for a brand, Network. just have a quick impression, you know, get their card and send them a follow-up later with something cool you can show them. Well, how are you going to show them something cool if you were just out there fishing tournaments all year long and all you have to show them is, well, I made $23,000 and I was, you know, second in the Hobie AOI and I was 11th in KBF and on the KBN power rankings, I was, you know, seventh. That's literally all you could show them if all you're doing is fishing tournaments and not focusing on building a social media or a YouTube or something else, good photography, something else. Okay. So now you're using the time in between, you're strategically scheduling your events to, to build that. So you can get to ICAST, get a card or two from some marketing directors at, different booths, get something together. And let's say you, you got three sponsors now. Try to get six next year. Try to double that. Because it's really hard to – you're just not going to go to ICAST and just all of a sudden have 10 more sponsors next year. You'd rather have good, solid relationships and get it nailed down and, and have them you know, invest in oh, you well. and then kind of grow it from there. But You know, and, and for what you just said, you know, you're not the only person at ICAST trying to do that. So they're getting hammered and hit by 15 million people. A uh, piece of advice, something that I've always been pretty good at is, you know, marketing and networking like myself. And that's basically what you have to do at anything that you want to be, you know, good at or professional at. It's mm-hmm. all about, you know, making yourself known. Who do you know? You know, you know, be good exactly. with connecting with people. And in these situations, like Drew's talking about, when you're going to ICAST and you're just trying to like drop your name in the hat, you don't want it to be an hour long conversation unless they make it a long right. conversation because they're already someone interested in you. But most True. of the time you're just there to say, Hey, this is me. You know, hopefully we can talk sometime, blah, 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 you know, go about your business yep. that way. You're not, because these guys, like I said, they're getting hammered from people. Right. They might yeah. just be sick of talking to people. Don't be you know the that, person that pushes them over that edge. 100%, man. You're dead on the money there. Some people just try to push too much there and try to get a deal done or something done, and they just aren't in a position to do it because really ICAST is a, is a you know consumer show really for right. the companies to uh, – not consumer, sorry, a, a industry show for the companies to basically be writing orders for their dealers. All their dealers are there. The last thing that they want to be dealing with is you know getting overloaded with – people come up to them, you know, wanting stuff. So one free stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, One free stuff. So yeah, that's smart. If you just say, if actually, if you use this phrase, say, look, I know I'm not going to take up your time here. This, this show is really not, you know, so much about that. And I know you're already busy because they already have a whole schedule with appointments. Like every marketing director is full. Their whole schedule for ICAST is full. So unless you get in to a 30 minute window by, by networking, like you just said with a friend or somebody that, you know, that got you introduced to them previously, which is not a bad idea to go ahead and get a meeting set up. That's an actual 30 minute meeting if you can, because you know, that's great, but they're kind of meeting with a lot of their other pro anglers, you know, on the boat side and everything else as it is. So a lot of times they're already full, but if not, just, you can use this phrase, Hey, I know you're busy. I'm not going to bother you. Take up your time here. I just want a chance to just get, you know, get your car, get your email so I can send you something to maybe take a look at and try to send it to them pretty quick because you know, if it gets later in the year, it, they could have already had their budget figured out for the following year or committed it, whatever. So anyway, that's enough about that. But that's that's the goal is to try to make your base salary as high as possible from sponsor dollars. And then everything else you win, you know, it's gravy from there. So and, you know, and again, you know, to if you're not at that point and, you know, like 
like we said, this is your deciding whether this is it. You know, this is what I want to try to do. I think I have a shot. These steps are what you'll be looking at in the future either way. You know, whether you have sponsors or not now, if you commit to this being your income, that does have to be thought about. Everything has to be, you can't just wing it. You know, that's something, I mean, some people do. I I don't want to say you can't. I wing a lot of things. But there's, like, to be successful and make sure that you limit your possibility of failure, you know, and being detail-oriented and having everything, like, listed out know what gear is going to cost you if you you know it's very rare i would say especially in our sport that everybody has every piece of their gear paid for or given to them you're coming out of pocket for something um you know entry fees like we said you need to like calculate fuel mileage travel distance lodging just like you know drew Mm -hmm. was saying And, and there's so much of it you know that i would probably say that's the most important thing before you get into all this other stuff i have listed is like you know First, let's say you've went, like Drew said, you understand, you know, there is, there can be too much, you know, make your Mm -hmm. schedule first. Like, okay, I've picked these five events and then go from those five events. And that's where you can start making these lists. Uh, We already talked about entry fee. Uh, Do you have any insight, Drew, on like how you go about figuring up like your travel and your, uh, like lodging. I do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So what I do is uh, I got a schedule pull up here. If you want to share my screen for those who are uh, watching this, um, you know, basically what I do, I put it in Excel spreadsheet, like you can see here and tell me if you're on it because I actually can't see the uh, stream yard stream right now. Are you on my screen? Yes. Okay. So I put in all of the tournaments from, and I'm not putting in any West coast tournaments because I'm not going to get out there, but all the, you know, anything from the you know Mississippi over pretty much um, I put in here. Anything that I could possibly maybe potentially go to. And then I look and see how it all breaks down, right? And mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of a bummer this year. We do have a lot of conflicts with, you know, weekends where you got, you know, like, for example, April 16th, Grand Lake in Oklahoma. And the next weekend, 23rd, 24th, you fall in Alabama for, for Hobie. Um, and then KBF the, the same weekend, too. It's like it's tough for anybody to fish, you know, two of those really. I mean, it's going to be hard. It's like back to back to back. There's a lot of unfortunate scheduling this year. It just happened to work out that way where I think last year's schedule was a lot better in terms of we had, we had more options, but Mm -hmm. now you got to kind of pick. And so what I have to do is, you know, I, I kind of figure out, so you can see I'm not all these uh, green marks right here, by the way, are all the ones I'm probably doing. These are the, the lighter green or, ones I may or may not be doing. Mm-hmm. And I still could even do some that are, that are white there. I that haven't turned any color, but basically I have them all color coordinated. The KBF is gray. The bass is uh blue and the Hobie is in uh, orange or yellow, whatever that is right there. So uh, yeah, I look, I know I'm not going to start to Lake Russell and the bass championship in March, but then I'm kind of hitting it hard um, with the Harris chain right after that for BASS and, um, and then Santa Cooper at the end of March too. So I, I just, so you guys know, I'm actually just focusing on, I'm going to focus on all three, but I'm really going to try to get four of the BASS events in. And since I can't get to Lake Fork, it's a little too early with the newborn. I've got to make decisions, right? And, and I'm just kind of going over this because you guys have things in your life that are happening too. So so now I'm thinking, well, if, I, if one of my goals is to qualify for the, the championship for Bass for, for next year, I'm already in this one in Lake Russell, but the next one. 
then I need they're going. I think they're actually going by AOI list this year. I don't even think you can fish all five and qualify automatically. I think they're just going off. Yeah, I think they did go away with that. I think they did. So knowing that, I've got to get high enough up in AOI to to qualify. So to do that, you got to fish for sure four events because they're taking the best four out of your five, right? So mm-hmm. knowing that I've missed fork, I already know I've got to go to to yeah, Harris Chain, right? And then I've got to go to grand lake i gotta go to lewis smith and i gotta go to pickwick so before i put all these the greens in here the ones that i'm going to i i did those first i was like okay if i'm if that's one of my goals i want to do then because i want to catch i want to obviously a chance to win uh you know one of the biggest championships in our sport on the biggest stage the bassmaster classic stage so that's why i kind of prioritize that one this year mm-hmm. uh, but i also have high priority on the hobie events because you know i i'm a little bit you know, I, I sting a little bit from not, you know, being able to defend my AOI title by obviously our daughter came and that was more, way more important, but being at, not being at Ufala to defend when I was in second place, which is better off than I was the year I won the AOI when I was in third, it stings. So I want to oh, yeah. go have a shot at, at winning that again. So I've prioritized um, some Hobie events. So once I've done, so now I moved on to, uh, you know, Santee Cooper and then looked at the rest of my schedule. Where can I fit in? You know, broken bows on my son's birthday, for example. So, you know, I want to be here for his birthday. So I'm not doing that one as much as I'd love to to be there. Uh, unless I somehow, you know, his birthday party ends up another weekend. Somehow, I'd, you know, talk my wife and let me go out there, which is very <laughs> unlikely. So, um, but, I, but obviously I want to be here if he's got a party anyway. So that's, you know, again, things in your life like that, they're going to play a role and a factor. Because we all have, you know, things going on with families and relatives and stuff like that too, and, and work and jobs. So, that's kind of how I broke it down. Then I just prioritized all the Hobie events. And, and generally I kind of p- can pull off like one event a month that, you know, I may have some months that are a little bit different where like in March, for example, but I've got my family's going down there with me into Florida uh, after the Harris chain. So they're going to be there. So I'm not like gone all the, you know, from the family all of March. So, you know, usually, usually it kind of plays out to start to become about once a month here at the end. And then I sort of zig and zag at the end of the, of this whole thing, obviously the three championships or the two championships at the end of the year, I want to be at, but this last, you know, tournaments here I have listed could all kind of zig and zag. And that's how I do it. I want spaced out events so I can have time to come home, get reorganized, reset, uh, get lures and and tackle organized, reorder with my sponsors uh, products that I may need because that the problem is if you start doing them too quick, it's not only fatigue that you're going to have. It's also your organization isn't going to be there. Uh, your preparation is not going to be there. And if it is there, then you, then of course it might be cause costing you sleep and exhaustion. Something will in. suffer. Something's going to suffer. You're absolutely right. So that's kind of how I've laid down there, laid out there. Now here's what, here's what could happen. Let's say I somehow, you know, cause here's what I did have. I had, I'm going to Champlain cause I loved Champlain and it's a KBF. And I looked at my list and I was like, man, that's like the only KBF I've got listed for sure. And then I was like, mm-hmm. man, I almost might need to try to get to the Potomac or Gunnersville somehow, uh, even if it requires me not to have like any pre-fishing time or one day, just so I'm not gone as long. Because yeah. what happens if later on in the year I hit Champlain, right? And there's there's two tournaments a weekend, trail series. And I'm sure it sounds like, I think it's the, the best three events again for their AOI, right? Yeah. So I did well Champlain last year at Hobie Bass Open Series. I got second and it happens to be the exact same dates pretty much. So I think I know what the fish are going to be doing. Let's say I have two good events there. I've only got one more KBF opportunity, and that's like St. Clair and Erie, to try to get, you know, one more to qualify for the AOI. Uh, right. So 
I, I'm I'm sort of looking. I kind of went backwards once I had seen that only the only KBF was the Champlain, and I was like, man, I kind of need to try to find a way to do, you know, Potomac or Gunnersville possibly or something else. You know, I've I've considered like Murray, South Carolina, uh, but but that's right before our pre-fishing and would cut into the pre-fishing time by one day for the championship. But the championship for bass is just too important to me not to have all three of those days on the water, right? Right. So you just start to piece the puzzle together, man. Um, and if I can do one of the KBS before then, and I end up doing good in Champlain, then I'm going to have a shot at the AOI over there. If not, I'm putting more of my eggs in the, um, the Hobie basket. I have a feeling they're going to require one more event this year for their AOI. I don't know if they've announced anything, but the talk would sort of suggest that they were going to maybe make it a little bit more prestigious AOI, uh, like one more event and maybe, I don't know if they're still going to count the TOC or not, or make it same points and not double points or whatever, but yeah, it sounds like something's going to change on the, the way they do it. And I think that's smart. So that's why I have so many Hobies in there because I've got, we don't have a ton. I've won two, wait, wait, one, two, nope, not broke bow. We'll see. Yeah. Two, or they're all at the end, I guess, possibly two yeah. there. And then um, three, four, five. So if I did five and they required us to have four, that would give me one one sort of mulligan. You know what I mean? Right. Which well, that, that was something I was going to say, too, is, you know, you have to be flexible because, you know, if you're taking on a lot, you know, if you're if you're going in to maximize your opportunity, you know, like like right now, like you said, you're focusing on bass. That's like your bigger of your priority. You know, you're going to hit the, all those events. Uh, let's say things don't work out, but yeah. like you said, you hit two good events for KBF, and then you only need one more good one to, you know, be crushing AOI. That might change your schedule mid-season, where you're like, okay, yes, I wanted to be here, but this is what's working out, so I need to go with this. Yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. And then um, the other thing I was going to mention on this chart, you guys can copy this if you want, um, just duplicate it. I've got a list for all the tournaments, the dates, and then I also have the. Um, the fee, like fees. So if there's a, this, sorry, this must be entry fee plus fee. There it is. Sorry. I got to scroll up one time. There you go. Entry, uh, entry fees, uh, miles round trip. I'm, you know, about $50 a tank on fuel, I think is what I estimated when I made this a couple years ago, lodging, just averaging 75 bucks a night, probably get away with a lot cheaper than that when you stay with, you know, several people, but just to be on the high side, I'm, I'm doing 75 a night. And the reason why I'm doing that is because this whole spreadsheet, you can take a screenshot of it when this is all filled in, um, and by the way, last column is food and then fishing licenses. But once this all gets filled in, you've got your totals, you bring your total down to the bottom here, highlight it in red, bold, screenshot that, make it a, a JPEG. And that's something you will pitch to your sponsors and say, look, I'm spending $15,000 out of pocket to be out there to yes, potentially, you know, cash some checks and make some money, have a good time fishing, but ultimately also to promote your products you know, to the world and show them how they can help me become successful on the water. So this right here, guys, is a key. You take that right there, you fill it all out, you put it all in there. Once the schedules are announced, which obviously they're all announced now, and, you know, the moment these schedules come out and you make your schedule, you can kind of fill it all in, screenshot it, uh, JPEG it, whatever, and then send it to potential sponsors. And I think once they see that and they understand like, wow, this guy really is spending a lot of money. He's out there putting investing himself and investing in us by spending the money to fish all these and travel around in his time least we can do is cover two or three of his tournament entries you know come on yeah, 250 something. bucks times three but if you don't have this 
they don't really understand what all you're doing and how much it costs. So this is no, a, and, a, ni- a nice tool. And it, it helps them, but it'll also help you. Like, like for me just now, something that I haven't calculated into mine was licenses. You know, mm-hmm. you don't realize when you travel, how many fishing licenses you buy. And yeah. maybe it's not as expensive as a, you know, tournament entry fee, but it, it's still money that adds up. Um, for sure. And then, and good, you know, and then you can also do like he said, if you take a picture of this total and then you turn around at the end of the year and put what money you made back from this, right. You know, it'll either show you that you need to do better. It worked out pretty well, or you may see such a big loss where you're like, okay, maybe I need to cut this in half for next year, you know, exactly work my way back up. It being able to see it, you know, really, really helps. Now, how did you, what did you use to estimate your, like your lodging and food? Just to, did you like pay attention to what you had been spending or did you just say like, this is my budget. This is what I can spend sort of down to this. I mean, most of those Airbnbs, once you get cleaning fees and all that put in there, it's, you know, like 75 bucks a night, unless if you're just getting one that's going to sleep like, you know, one or two people, you know, like I, I was doing a lot during COVID because it, you know, didn't want to be around a lot of people. I was kind of staying by myself and it, you know, was typically looked like about $50 a night. But once, like I said, the fees and stuff get added in, you just can't find many places that are much cheaper than that on Airbnb. And if you do, you probably don't want to stay there. You'd much rather. Yeah. (laughs) Much rather just camp at that point. So that's kind of where I got that number. And like I said, I'm averaging a little high, but it's not high to, to, uh, a, a manufacturer, a business, an LLC that's out there making rods, reels, lures, whatever. That's not high. When they go send an employee to a conference, they're giving them more than 75 bucks a night for a hotel. I promise you that. That's, oh, that's yeah. like a two, <laughs> that's like a one and a half, two star hotel. And they're not putting their employees up and stuff like that. So when I actually went high, because I know if this is a tool for them to look at, that doesn't look insane to them. That actually looks reasonable. Like, man, this guy's on a budget trying to do this the right way. He's doing it on a budget. But the reality is, even if you're camping, put 75 bucks a night on there because it's going to make your total you know, be higher because there's expenses with camping. But also, that's just if they at least see that, you know, then that's just potentially I mean, there's more. nothing wrong with putting a few of those dollars in your pocket. You'd be up yeah. with them. But, uh, you know, like when I used to work out of town and we'd get our per diem, like your goal is to find somewhere cheaper than what they budgeted you for and eat a lot less than what they budgeted that's you right. for. That way you had more money to take home. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. That's the same thing. And like you said, you send them something they're already kind of used to looking at. And I mean, they're going to look at it and be impressed and they're going to be like, Hey, uh, Jeff, next time I send you out of town, you're not staying at a $250 a night. This dude's staying for 75 bucks. What's your excuse? Yep. So it's right. You know, it's just, it's just another tool, (laughs) but uh, it's It's your choice for sure. And then the the last thing I'll show you and I'll stop sharing the screen here. No, I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, is, if you eventually want to start putting your results and the payouts, like I said, over here, you can actually get another spreadsheet up and I'll throw this up here that I do. This is my all time tournaments spreadsheet here. Um, and I just oh, that's cool. finished actually shout out to Susie who helped me um, put in some stuff behind the scenes on uh, actual percent finish right here. She just added this tab cause I was doing it all manually <laughs> and she was like, she could, she could, <laughs> Make Excel do that for me. So I don't she's, do the she's the queen of Excel spreadsheets. I will give her that. She is good. Yeah, at it. she is good. So, for example, here, finishing fifth out of 751 people at the KBF National Championship, I had it down as 1%, but really it's 0.00. It's lower than 1%. It's in the 
point zero zero. What would that be? That six tenth percentile or whatever that is. I don't uh, know. Six thousandth. Six. I don't know. But it's but it's better than one percent. So it actually. So what is my actual? So my actual. Oh, this is cool. I haven't seen this since she added this. So I'm just seeing it for myself right now. So it looks like my average finish is is actually thirteen. The actual numbers. Yeah. I, I average. Okay. I average fourteenth place out of a field size that averages 154 anglers. And that's, you know, it was a lot skewed by a lot of those big KBF national championships. But, um, so I average 14, which is a average of 13%. It's like, or yeah, you're, you're basically saying that you, you're, uh, 13% of the time you finish in the top 9%. Is yeah. Or no, I don't know if that's right. I think it's, I think it's like, I don't know. I have to go see what well, this is. Yeah, if, if she, if she put this in here or not, uh, yeah, we'll have to ask, ask Susie for sure. But because um, because I could have done math wrong, but I thought I had it where basically the top that basically means if there's a tournament with 100 people, I'm averaging finishing 13th place. But I thought I had it this number here, 477 divided by 5103 was nine percent. I'll have to go check. But anyway, uh, and you can see cool stats like you you know I've cast checks you know in 22 of 33 events, and that's that's kind of you can get cool data from an all time stats thing here you know and um, and it's again it's something else that you can present oh, to potentials yeah exactly i think i may have made an adjustment somewhere for like a toc has 50 people but it's 50 elites you know what i'm saying uh gotcha we'll see maybe, maybe there's some, some things like that but uh but it's kind of cool having those stats and you got to start it now because if you don't start it now um you're gonna forget and it gets harder to go back and find all of your your finishes you know what i mean so start it now oh, yeah. because this is your this is your proof back to you know, stuff like KBN power rankings and the AOI standings are cool or they're cool when they work out for you because they're not exactly you know, like AOIs right now. There's a lot of debate about that. Obviously it's like just three events and championships are double points. So typically if you do good to the championship, you're like, whoosh, you're just up in the AOI, which you may not have had that good of a year, but you, it looks like it. And you can use that to your advantage. If you didn't have the greatest year, you ended up high in the AOI cause you had a good championship. You can certainly sell that to a potential sponsor and use that screenshot, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but this is actual true data you always have to show them too. You know what I mean? Like what, what you're doing. So anyway, um, I think it's just important to, to have this kind of stuff done and, uh, and to show them, cause it at least shows them you're professional about this and you're organized and you're keeping up with it and you're trying to improve. Um, but anyway, we'll figure this out later. I can't wait to ask Susie. Cause to me, if I'm finishing, <laughs> listen to this, if I'm finishing in 14th place and my average field size is 154, cause we all know like, 14 out of 100 would be 14th percentile. I'm in the 14th percentile, right? Right. So, so this to me, I think this is correct. I think it's a nine, the nine percent centile is right because I know it's not 13 because 14 out of 154 would be right. No, a it lot. Does sound right. It's it's nine it's nine percentile. So I'm trying. I don't know if she added this or if I accidentally put this in or what that is, but um, but at least you can kind of see, and it gives you goals because now I have goals to improve on. So if I'm averaging ninth place finish out of 100. I want to see that go to eight next year or seven. Try to somehow get it down. Uh, obviously, that's probably unlikely because that's insane sort of path that um, I've been on. But that's what you know. At least I have a goal, and I know where I where I sit, where I stand. You know, to shoot for. You know, most of you guys out there just starting. You're learning. You take some knocks. You've had some some events that you you know you didn't get five fish, and you're in a hundred and third place out of you know hundred and twenty five or whatever. Um, so your average is going to be be up there right your your percentile is going to be not where you want to see it but as you get better as an angler you keep listening to the paddle and fin reel down and all the other shows and you you know keep learning and getting better 
it's going to be fun to watch your tra- trajectory get better and better. And you keep finishing in that high percentile. Cause that equates to kind of what we're talking about here today, more checks cashed and uh, a way you can eventually make a living out of this. Right. All right. So, and it, it it's a, it's a very detailed process, but you got to start somewhere like you're saying, you know, and all the things that you showed are great tools. And, you know, just as a recap, you know, be detailed, be flexible, you know, make yourself a brand, be your own brand, market yourself, learn how to network. Um, so that covers all of the, we'll say like the pre prep work, you know, mm-hmm. let's say you've got your money figured out, you've got your tournaments figured out, your schedule set. Then it gets to the real work. Cause you know, you can do all the prep work you can as far as having it paid for, but you know, now your sponsors are expecting something in return, which in tournament fishing is going out and catching fish and, you know, making the brand look good. So then you get into, you know, well, let's say it's coming up first tournament time. You've got map study and gear prep. You know, do you do you have like routines that you go by? I mean, without giving mm-hmm. it away, which I don't think that really give away anything, but like your first event coming up, how do you approach it? And obviously for Russell, you've probably been working on it a lot longer because it's such a big event. But like if it was just right. the first event of a year, not a championship. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the quickest way to just say this is, you know, obviously – I'm more of a skinny water guy. So I think Google satellite imagery and Google, you know, earth is a little bit more valuable and important to me than looking at the lake through Navionics or some other, you know, Mm -hmm. mapping system. Whereas if you're an offshore angler more, you're probably looking at the, you know, topography, whatever of the, of the lake more than, than I would, but you still look at, you know, the Google stuff and earth too. Um, But I look at the maps uh, religiously. My wife is always like, what are you doing? And I'm like, looking at maps, you know, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, I'm not, not surprised. So uh, I'm always on maps looking over and over and making, you know, my little waypoints and dropping pins on places I want to scout. So that's kind of what I do. I've told this before on, on different podcasts on mine, on, on yours, I believe uh, somebody's on paddle and fin, but basically I just make the map, drop my waypoints and then uh, look at the entire lake around, you know, every little zoom in I'm close, closely looking at it, zoomed in every, you know, piece of that bank and, and river and creek that feeds it, dropping all the pins. And then once you go around it one time, you know, wait a week and then do it again. And then the thing that's it's cool is once you've done it, when you first start drop, start dropping your waypoints and pins, you know, you you get a little pin happy because ooh, that Everything looks good. Looks this good. looks good. Everything looks yeah. good. <laughs> right. But once you actually go around the whole lake, then you actually understand was what I dropped earlier, those first pins for the first, you know, whatever, 20 or whatever, was that actually unique stuff or is it really just the standard stuff on this body of water? Because this, the standard stuff on the body of water is not really, um, you know, it's not the stuff that I feel is the easiest to catch fish on. It's not, it's, it's, they always want the, they want the transition from the gravel. I'm just using this as an example. They want to transition from on a, on a clay bank to where it transitions from clay to rock. Right. They want, they want the, you know, different unique stuff like that. They want the transition from hydrilla to milfoil if you can find it. There's hydrilla all over the lake. There's milfoil all over the lake. It all looks good. You could drop pins all over where you find it and see it. How, but then, how many places can you find that have, you know, the unique features that I was using just sort of a, as an example? Those random special unique features. How many of those? do you really have? And then what will happen is you'll start pulling pins away. Say, Oh, that's just a typical 
because you can't pre-fish them all and you got to narrow right. it down somehow. So you need to just narrow it down to the areas you feel are the, you know, have the most potential basically. And that comes down to you having enough experience on the water to actually know why you're pulling this one away as opposed to that pen away. You know, that's where just, you know, like I said, time and experience I'm, I've been fortunate. You know, I joke around, you know, with people all the time saying, well, I was single till I was 35, met my wife at 35. And I think I get married at 36 and, um, somewhere around there. And so I was pretty much a single and dating the, you know, the fish in my work, you know, <laughs> and, and cause I was working in the kayak industry with Jackson at that point. So that's all I did. Just go around and fish and learn. Uh, I don't have as much time these days to pre-fish, but I rely on that experience and knowledge I already have, which is what a lot of people are still learning, getting out there time in the water. Now fish haven't changed. I still know it all. It's here. Even though I don't, don't get a chance to get out there and just fun fish much these days. I'm pretty much just fishing when I go to tournaments, pre-fishing and that's about it, which is kind of a bummer because I don't have as much time to get out and learn something like live scope, uh, which I'm going to be doing this year. I got to find time to do it. But anyway, um, aside from new technology and things like that, I just already have the experience of being on the water. So I pull the pins away, I narrowed it down. And then that's kind of what I've done right now at home with the map study. Now, the other thing uh, that you had said is, oh, and by the way, not just, don't just pin your, your locations, pin the closest access points that you found to those spots. Because that's, see, that's where I that's started. Key. Yeah, yeah, that's key. It, you know, and just to give another point of view from it, you know, if you don't have the experience, that like drew and some of these other guys do like Jody and Russ and these guys that's been on the water for, you know, tons and tons of time. Like I prioritize launch areas, you know, or possible launch areas as well as like what I think they're keying in on or you know, what I think are hot spots and limit everything down and think about, okay, I have this many days to pre-fish, you know? So if I have three days, I usually dedicate that first day to driving around and looking at launches. If I've never seen them, you know, once you start to do this a while and you go back to places, you know where you can put in and can't. But mm -hmm. if you've never been there and have no idea, I don't know how many times I've banked on something that I could have sworn was I put in and you missed a gate that you didn't see on Google earth, you know, right. boom, you're, you can't get mm -hmm. there. And then it's four mile pedal paddle or motor to that spot from the next put in. So there's a lot of give yourself like, if you don't have that experience and you're going to have to do some looking when you get there, I would say even limit your pins a little more, have, you know, priorities and backups for when you find those areas you can't get to, but then give yourself a day, a half a day, four hours. You know, if it's a lake like Lake Fork, you can drive all the way around Lake Fork in like 40 minutes and, and actively stop, look at a put in and leave. I mean, it's super mm -hmm. easy to get around that lake. So, you know, but if you're looking at a lake like Gunnersville, that's got, I can't remember how many miles of shoreline. I've spent one whole day on one side of it's just long. the north end of the lake. Like, it it's very long. While. Yeah. So, that's true. But that's just a, another point of view to take from it, you know? If yeah, absolutely. Give yourself a little time and backup plan for like looking and when things don't work out. So, but, uh, right. That's good stuff, man. And, and after maps, I mean, it's a lot of Google image uh, searches, it's a lot of uh, trying to find any articles you can or any fish pictures or anything that's out there that, that can help give you any clue. And then on top of that, it's a lot of YouTube, you know, you find videos of the, the body of water and if you can narrow it down and find some that are, you know, were, were taken and shot near the time of year that you're going to be there even better. Um, you know, looking at some river gauges, things like that from, from past and temperatures, just finding any information you can about, about the body of water. Just learn. Cause any again, kind of anything, 
anything could be a clue. It's like a, a mystery. You know what I mean? Any little thing left behind in a murder scene could be the one clue. Like how many murders were solved because some moron just left one little thing that seems so insignificant. It's sort of the way it is with these tournaments. Just because it, once you pre-fish, it all starts to just come together. Once you're there, it you know, and you've seen it in your head from the satellite imagery. You've got the picture in your head, and and you go there, and you're, then you're on the water. And you see all those put-ins, you go and drive around. I do the same thing. I drive around and see them all like the first day. It take at least a half a day or you know one whole day to do that. It just starts to click once, especially in a tournament, you start catching them or in pre-fish, you really start catching them. It's all going to come together. And then it's it's almost like it's you're going to reference something that you do remember hearing or seeing about this body of water that could actually be the one little key that connects the unlocking the entire puzzle for you. So, yeah. Yeah. Something I'll add to that too is something I've been doing more in the last probably eight months is, you know, historical, not historical data of the body of water. Yes, you want that too. You want to see how it's set Mm -hmm. up in different years, same time of year, blah, blah, blah. So you can find the best comparison to what you're going to have. But when I'm researching like fishing in Florida in January, I will just Google fishing in Florida in that area, you know, Kissimmee, Florida in January go further than just that first page you will find back when no one used to care mm-hmm. when some of these fishing like magazines or town articles cover stuff the angler would tell you right where he was sitting and fish don't do the same thing every time in the same spot all the time but fish live in cycles and things do come back around so you know maybe in 1985 you know Joe Schmuckatelli caught a 35 pound bag throwing a jerk bait off that point well, maybe it won't work that year, but it'd be at least something you might want to take a look at if you've got that position right. time. I did that on Pickwick. I found a like a 20-year-old tournament article, and the guy was like, when you pull up to this dock, go over 45 yards. And I just did it goofing <laughs> off the sea, and that was the best fish I found while I was there. And was like, wow. okay, a 25-year-old article, 20, 25-year-old article still holds a little bit of, a little bit of weight. So get detailed That's with cool. your research if you're that kind of person. Because sometimes... That stuff just makes its rounds and yeah. comes back in. So yeah, man, that's uh, a perfect example of a of a clue that you found. And again, it may only have helped. You may only find an article or something like that that helps you for one tournament or two a year. But if that's yeah, two out of the twelve you fish or whatever, uh, I shoot for about twelve events a year, 12, 13, something like that. This year with the baby, who knows, could be ten or eleven. But um, if you're trying to shoot for you know, 12 events, let's say you find two things like that. That's something you did with you could do from home in the winter with nothing else was going on and you found them. And if somebody else is not doing that, that's, that's two times you got, you know, a big boost up in the standings and maybe you won a tournament that could be the difference. And, you know, winning $500 or nothing to, or possibly winning $6,000, 7,000 bucks. So that's pretty cool for sure. That's a good example. Yeah. And then, you know, from that, you know, is making sure your gear is, you know operational uh-huh. and in order man you you don't know how many times you add something to your setup that will absolutely change and wreck how like i i pulled my boat out and set it up yesterday and i had added one thing and it changed how everything else in the kayak fit because that one thing which it's worth its weight in gold it's going to help me stage my rods so it's a little faster to get to them and swap but, you know, that changed where this steering handle could mount. It changed because I moved that. My net can't mm-hmm. go here anymore. So, you know, gear prep and then there's tackle prep. You know, there's tons of that. Making sure you've got all your tackle, like you said, from your 
you know, from your sponsors, if you have them or, you know, your go-to baits for the event, which goes back to research. There's, do you have any like little, little things you do like before the season starts, before each event, do you like set your boat up and get it ready or go maybe take it on like a test run or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, definitely while I'm still home, I can organize the tackle and the gear and the boxes, get the new stuff on, you know, unwrapped out of packages and things like that. Um, it's, it's amazing how long that takes. I mean, if you guys out there, you know, do it, it's, it's unreal how long that alone takes. So getting all that knocked out in the winter is good. And then getting your boat set up, like you said, organized, uh, especially if you are, you know, getting into this seriously, a lot of folks do get a new boat every single year from, you know, a manufacturer they're sponsored by. They, they want you to be in the latest, you know, boat, right. The latest model. So that takes time, especially if you, if you have stickers, you got to put on there, you know, decals, uh, I've kind of worked out a system where I don't really use a lot of a lot of that stuff. I got other areas and places I sort of uh, help market, I guess, if you will, and, and you know, share the story of my sponsors. Just because I also tell them, by the way, just so you guys know, I don't have a lot of decals really on my boats or any at all because a I tell them for marketing purposes. When if you know, let's say, you know, I use thirteen fishing rods and reels. Thirteen fishing it may not want a photo for their marketing or a video that's just got other logos and brands all over it. Maybe it's a, another brand I'm sponsored by that also happens to be owned by a conglomerate that, that, that also makes rods and reels. It's a competitor against them. So I just say, Hey, look, you're going to get, I think a lot of great value out of this because I'm not going to have all kinds of logos that also, and this is what I also say to them. I fish a lot of backwaters and rivers where I'm scraping sticks and rocks constantly. I can put stickers on the outside, outside of my boat but they're going to be gone in a couple of tournaments and scratched up and not even look good. So it's going to look worse for us than better. And they, they all get that and understand that. So that's why I don't, don't do that. But anyway, anything, anything you need to do to rig your boat up, like you just said, you can do um, your uh, line boxes. I get line. I actually, you know, have a, a spreadsheet with all the stuff you need for a tournament, you know, and, and how are you sort of looking? Have you, have you, re, have I reordered that for the year or not? And cause you know, Either you're buying it from Tackle Warehouse or somewhere like that, or you're contacting your, you know, contact that, that sponsor, right? Either way, it could take who knows how long. Sometimes it could take a week or two if something's back ordered to get in. So never, it's never too early to start ordering that stuff and getting it organized. So uh, the boat, new, new electronics, like I said, I wish I had, I'm going to be rigging up the panoptics. I wish I had a little bit more time on the water with it, but uh, that time will come the beauty of the, the off limits period for the bass championship is we can't get on the water till I think Sunday, but there's nothing saying we can't get on the water on another, on Lake Hartwell or another body of water on, you know, the day or two before, if I need to practice working on my electronics yeah, or something else. So I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that there. And I'll go a day early for that championship to drive around, look at some put ins. Cause I can still drive around, you know, as well the day before we can get on the water. So. Yeah, something while while we talk about electronics, something I learned yesterday that uh, I've already knew about and didn't think about. Make sure that you update the software on your electronics because my unit was so mad that I haven't updated it since I bought it two years ago that it finally wouldn't do anything without pushing an update. And I had six updates I had to go through to get it back. So, mm-hmm. like, all the think of all the little things that you might be complaining about. You're having a problem with your unit, and they have put out a firmware update that fixed that and you didn't do it so little tip there make sure you do that it's a good one maps (laughs) maps are a good one i mean if you do have electronics you can up you get all those cards you need for all your lakes and get it all set um and then speaking of cards i'll say this last thing if you are trying to be a a, you know pka 
and really get paid for this. If you don't have your camera set up ready to roll too and get that figured out, whether it's a GoPro or just a phone mount, you're just going to take stills for Instagram. You just got to decide. And I actually was, was talking with Jordan Marshall recently and giving him some tips and advice on this. And, and he may not have taken this. I don't know what route he's going to go. I know he's trying to do a little bit more in, in the sport now, you know, with some momentum he has with the AOI that he won last year. But I just told him this. I said, look, if you're pitching something to a sponsor, they hear so much. There's a lot of noise already. Some long media kit with all the stats. That, you need to keep it simple. So I said, I would much rather, if I'm a marketing director for a brand, I'd much rather just see that you have, you know, whatever, 10,000 people on Instagram as opposed to, well, I've got 2,000 here, I've got 1,500 here, i got 3,200 here, and like TikTok, it all adds up to 10,000. You see what I'm saying? It's harder to keep up with four socials and actually have success than it would be just to focus on one thing. Are you doing YouTube and that's it? Are you doing YouTube? If so, focus on that and grow it all there. That way you can just share to them, I got you know, 10,000 here as opposed yeah. to all across the board because you're just not going to be able to keep up with it all. I, I, I regret... That that's just the way the evolution of it happened. And I've got, you know, a Facebook page and then a Facebook personal profile. And then I've got a Instagram and it's just like a well, Twitter. I don't really use it's from like, it too. Yeah. Like if you focus on YouTube and you get big, I don't want to say get big. Let's say that you grow your following on YouTube. And well, as your following grows and people are obviously tuned into what you're doing, they will find your other ones. But like think of people like uh, Greg Blanchard huge on youtube hardly ever see him post on instagram right i mean that's he picked what he's good at he and what it. he's comfortable yep. with and there's right. nothing it does not hurt him at all that his instagram is you know lackluster compared, right. compared to his youtube it doesn't they will all work each other out and then uh yeah you know back back to like gear and everything real quick mm-hmm. you know a big thing to think about too is you know if you're making that step now you know you're you're getting to a professional level where time is key that's right you know get your get your setup to where it's like muscle memory you know where everything's gonna go you know this is how i need to have it when i leave my airbnb get to the boat ramp you know that way i can get it in the water and then carry these three things to it you know have a system you know keep it as simple as you can keep it as neat as you can because all that time you don't want to be at the guy at the ramp that it took 45 minutes to get on the water. Let's say you woke up five minutes late. Everybody blasts off before you do. And then boom, someone got in your spot because you didn't have your shit together. Like, yeah. That's a real possible problem. I've been that guy. I probably will still mm-hmm. be that guy. Cause I have in the world's worst luck. Something will, something right. will happen. You have to give yourself time. And even if you give yourself time, you need to have a plan, you know, have everything yeah. in order to get, to get the job yeah. done. So, for sure. No, man, you can't spool up too early. You can never spool up and get things. I'm with you, man. I'm always last minute scrambling and I'm, you know, here preaching and teaching like, oh, do this, do that. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I do a lot ahead of time, but somehow I'm always like last minute still doing something that I could have done. I could have done some other point at home over the winter or something could have changed those trouble hooks out or I could have, you know, could have done that. So all those little things there, just get them done now, build, and it, build it, it all. You know, and I mean, a lot of people are like that. Even if you have those last minute tendencies like that, if you've taken the time to get 95% of the other stuff handled, I feel like you, you can handle that little 5%. Yeah, of, for sure. Like, oh, you know, 
crap, I got to run back to the truck. I left something there. Or dang, I didn't mm-hmm. swap these trebles last night, you know, or crap, yep. I forgot to retie that bait. You've got that time. Uh, true. But yeah, yeah, true. Is there anything else that you want to add to it, man, before we get out of here? Uh, I mean, we've kind of covered most of it. I think we didn't really mention if you do use motors, you want to make sure all that's dialed in, the right batteries, the right setup for, for motors. And that it's just, it's, if you use extension cables, you know, you want to separate your battery, you know, in your tank well and your, if you have a bow mount, some people like to do that. Make sure you're doing things correct the proper way. And I'm not saying I did something wrong, but I could have. Uh, I still haven't even opened up my motorhead that blew up at the second day of the KBFNC, uh, the, the final day of the Trail Series Championship, which I'm not bitter about because I was leading AOI <laughs> heading into the final day and not even in the 10 after that happened. But anyway, uh, smoke was coming out of my motorhead, dude. Smoke was coming out. I was a mile and a half up the, the river. And I was I still wanted to go a lot further, and I was in a big solo skiff. I couldn't really paddle it back to the launch. So my point is, I I think I ended up with 76 inches that day. Just kind of had to paddle that big barge around. Thank God I brought a paddle with me, you know, as a backup. But you just wouldn't expect a, a nice new motor guy to to have that happen, right? Because they just never have for me. And I think what happened is I cut the shaft down short. Of course, I'd use it all year and didn't have a problem. Had to happen right then, of course. Anyway, so I shut the shaft. I cut the shaft down, right? And I think that when you put that bolt back through to put the head of the shaft back on, uh, the screw, I must have nicked through a wire because that's where it was all happening. When I open it up, I'll probably find out that's what it was. But my point is, don't let anything mechanical or anything that was not done correct or proper be what causes you to fail out there in the water. Because it's a shame when you do all the rest. You spend all the time. You travel. All the money. All the research. Everything. And then you get out there. And something like that that could have been prevented um, isn't. And then you're just sitting there. You're just sick to your stomach when it happens. Trust me. And, you know, anytime you're dealing with anything electronics or motor, you know, anything at all mechanical like pedal drive, there is variables that you can't control. You can do your best to prepare or prevent them from happening. You know, like. Right. Maybe I could have put paid attention when I put that screw in to double check that it wasn't nicking a wire. Maybe I could have done my yearly maintenance on my pedal drive. But sometimes stuff just happens. So, yep. you know, you got to be able to roll with it. And I mean, obviously the result didn't work out the way you did, but the, your way of rolling with it was you had a backup plan. You had a paddle with you. Thank God, you know, there, yeah. you might still be and out then, there pushing your way back home. Like, <laughs> and then, yeah, that's right. And thank God I had my other, you know, my other Crescent kayaks with me. And the next day, it's still third day of a tournament, <clears throat> was able to just take a little 10 footer out <clears throat> up, a, up a creek and, and get 90 something inches and still uh, cash a check in the, in the NC because I had, at least I did have that sort of backup stuff there yeah. ready to roll. So it's no, it's never a bad idea to bring multiple kayaks to an event if you have multiple uh, for for all kinds of reasons or extra batteries, extra motors, things like that. So you can never you get, get too prepared. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I bring I bring. It's funny because I bring nothing on the water. Everyone I'm known for being a simplistic angler. I I prefer and want and I scout and I just try my hardest every tournament to find somewhere where I can use that little crescent ultralight ten footer you know, some little small out of the way place and only carry three rods and like one little tackle box. I try my best. Everyone knows that about me. Right. Cause I, I just, that's what I love. That's why I got into this Jimmy to do that. You know, river bass, <laughs> dude, river bass. however, I bring the entire kitchen sink. Anyone who stayed with me to Airbnb, I've just carried in loads and loads of Plano boxes, bins and bins. And they're like, this is insanity. How in the world do you, do you need all this when all you do is use most of the time, you know, three full rods, a little kayak and you know bending branches paddle and that's about it and the reason is because 
I'll figure that out, you know, in pre-fishing what I'm going to need to narrow it down. And then it's all, of course, there. So you can never be too prepared. I do bring backup motors, batteries, everything. So I think we pretty much covered it. Um, that's your tournament prep for the year, guys. And I know, you know, some of you guys maybe are starting pretty soon. And uh, but those who are, are not, you got plenty of time to, to do and take some of the tips that Jimmy and I have shared. And then if you're also taking a tip we shared and you're spacing your tournaments out, even if you've got one coming up, in that three-week window between your next one, plenty of time to get some of this stuff buttoned up, dialed in as you start your ascent on the national scene. Ascent. Heck yeah. To ascend, not ascent. Oh, whatever. Ascend. <laughs> ascend. Yeah, ascend. Well, all right. Well, we uh, we appreciate you coming in, Drew. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Just uh, give everybody a little look, just a little bit above that, you know, first-time tournament angler to more of a seasoned angler that may be looking for a few tips on, you know, taking the national trail or traveling angler, whatever it is to you, a little more seriously or being a little more efficient. And, you know, seeing how somebody that's at the top of the game does it, you know. Spreadsheets seem to be a common thing with a lot of folks. I need to work on my Excel, apparently, because Drew's is all nice (laughs) and calculate stuff for him. I got to get to that point. I'm still, you know, pad and piece of paper kind of guy. But, uh... Yeah, great show, man. I was glad to have you back. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get to do get you back on co-hosting some more once the tournaments start rolling around, doing some tourney talk. Yeah, man. We'll see how much I can pop on. You know, it's gonna be a crazy year, but um, I will be you know starting back with the River Bassin podcast too with uh, with uh, Ken Moore. So changing the yeah. name from Hooked to Hooked on Wild Waters to River Bassin. We've we've talked about that on here. So getting that back up and going as well. And uh, you guys will be excited to hear some new formats we're doing with that. I'm excited to hear about uh, pretty soon, maybe even the time this is out and you're listening to this, there will be a, a fantasy fantasy kayak fishing show from Paddle and Finn. Uh, as, as Brian and Armando and the whole crew at Paddle and Finn, Susie, everybody has kind of taken what Ken and I developed and kind of, kind of passed it off to you guys, you know, because I just haven't really had the time or, the, or you know, the resources to really get it to the next level. And I think you guys can. And Brian has, I promise you. That's a good show if you guys go and listen to that one if it's up already live when you're listening to this because it is going to be a good one. You're going to be excited what the folks at Paddle and Finn have done to the fantasy game this year to make it way more interesting and exciting and more engaging. So I'm excited. I'll have to check it out too. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. It's been a great one. We will see you next week. Uh, We'll figure out a hot new topic for next week. See you. Peace. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. 